This is the Detroit Mercy Cybersecurity 313 Podcast. Hello, this is Tamara Shoemaker, the Director of the Center for Cybersecurity and Intelligence Studies at the University of Detroit Mercy. And joining me today for our podcast is my good friend, Tobias Ward, Director and CISO at DTE Energy. She's an alum of our program and a member of our center's advisory board. Plus, we just sit on a ton of other advisory boards together and other associations. And so I am so pleased to welcome to our show today. I know you as someone who's at the top of her game as a CISO, organizer of volunteers for my Cyber Patriot camps. But my listeners don't know you, and I'd really like them to know what your journey has been like entering into this wonderful career field of cybersecurity. Yeah, thanks so very much for having me here today. You know, it's really interesting because you and I have crossed paths so many different times and on different subjects, not just always cybersecurity, but that's always been, I'll call it the magnet that's really brought us together, but we've been able to tackle so much more than that. But it is great to be here on your podcast and to have a chance to tell folks a little bit about my journey into cybersecurity. Being at DTE now 30 years, really long time. I've spent 25 of those 30 years in the information technology organization, which is where our cybersecurity department resides. And about eight years or so, maybe close to nine years now ago, the CIO at the time um, asked me to do, I'll call it a tour duty into our cybersecurity organization. And so I always tease and say, um, cybersecurity found me. <laughs> And that's how I started my journey into cybersecurity. And I will admit to your listeners that early on when I was asked, I was scared because I really didn't know what that meant. You know, my interactions from a security perspective was more around access security and making sure, you know, the things that we did met what I call our compliance requirements because I was supporting the finance and HR types of organizations. And, of course, those come with rules and regulations. And so I was really, really scared, but I knew that no challenge could be left unturned because of the type of personality that I have. And so I dug in both feet and here I am now at the, as you would call it, top of the game, having a lot of fun and dispelling a lot of the myths around cybersecurity. It's not as scary as you think. I appreciate you saying that. That's one of the things that I definitely try to work on really hard is to demystify it. And you've definitely done that. And some of the work that we've done out in the field, like you said, in different places, that definitely is one of the things that we have to deal with all the time. People really think that's spooky and scary and way too difficult for them. And I try to always say, no, you know, it's just really doing it the right way. Yeah. You know, and with quality and maybe knowing that there's a bad guy out there that's going to get you if you didn't put together a quality product and a quality way of doing it. So I love the fact that you touched on that. What does a typical day look like at your level? And then if you could also, what does a typical day look like for some of the folks that work for you in this space? Oh, my goodness. You know, we're virtual. So my typical day isn't the typical day that I would have explained a year or so ago. I am in a lot of different meetings and interacting at the various different levels within the company. So when you think about executives such as CEOs and chief operating officers and chief financial officers, those are the type of people I tend to interact with more often than not. And part of that is really making sure that it is understood that cybersecurity from a business perspective 
is what we call an enterprise risk. And so what I find myself is making sure from an enterprise lens that we understand and that we're doing the things that we need to do to securely enable the business functions at DTE. So I spend a lot of my time in meetings and having those types of discussions and then interacting with my team who are really what I would call the heroes of the day and the boots on the ground, right? Because they're the ones that are looking over new products that our business partners want to purchase or new services that they want to engage in, understanding what are the risks associated with those things, and then engaging with our employees and bringing that technical cyber scariness into layman's term, right? Making sure that our employees understand that they're the strongest link in order for us to truly protect our company and to protect critical infrastructure. So our days are filled with meetings. Our days are filled with interacting with vendors and interacting with our business partners to truly drive the importance of the work that we do. And then on the other side of the house, the days are filled with configuring firewalls, right? Doing some of that really techie stuff, provisioning access, right? So a new person joins the company and they need to be provided access to the various different systems that they're going to use throughout their day. So our access administration team is responsible for providing that access to employees and just making sure that all the things that you typically would touch in a business, that those things are done in the most secure way. So that's what myself and my team does on a day-to-day basis. It's just having those conversations and doing that hands-on-the-keyboard kind of work. So what you're describing is both, right? Uh, One of the things I try to talk about all the time is that it's not just about the ones and zeros and all of the hard techie stuff, right? This is integration. You have to be able to explain to the C-level why do we have certain protocols and certain things in place? Why do we have to spend money on this stuff? What's the return on investment? And you tell them we're still in business. You know, we We haven't been brought down because we haven't been taking care of that critical infrastructure. We have been protecting it and caring for it. So you and many of your managerial levels, people have to do that integration into the business end of stuff and make sure everybody understands how that's all working and why it's all working and not try to get around you either. So where some of that is lower, like you said, the awareness and making sure everybody understands why they're doing what they're doing. And then you've got the techie part where you've got to have those guys here. They have to be able to get in there and do that. But they're not necessarily in the same body, right? You have different kinds of duties. And I say this a bunch of times, but I keep saying it over and over again because I really want people to hear there's over 950 different job titles in cybersecurity. Yeah. There's something out there for anyone who really enjoys this technical, this innovation, this thing as it's moving. And I mean, it's a moving target to buy. I think that's sometimes why people get so scared is because IT is always moving. But I mean, I think for some of us who are like we are, nerds, I would say, you know, science people, people who really love all that stuff. We like that it changes all the time. And I'll tell you, and I have this conversation with my team all the time because, you know, we're a company of engineers, right? Electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, industrial engineers, computer science engineers. You just get all of these engineers, right? But at the same time, you don't have to be an engineer to work in cyber, Right. There are aspects of cyber, to your point, that it's a multidiscipline domain. Right. And sometimes people only think about it from a single pane of view, but it is truly a multidiscipline domain that includes things like communicating to our employees, security awareness, 
I am not looking for that really technical engineer to run my security awareness program, right? I need someone that knows how to communicate, knows how to market, knows how to write, right? So I'm looking for a communications, journalism, marketing kind of person that can take that technical geeky speak and turn it into layman's term. And then on my risk side, right, I don't need an electrical engineer telling me about risk, right? So I need someone that understands risk, understands the concepts of risk to be able to evaluate a vendor that we may want to go into business with or a business process or a business function that they want to start to do to understand what are the risks associated with that function, right? And these are separate from my really technical folks that are, like I said, doing the ones and zeros kind of things that are configuring a firewall or a router or a switch and and stuff like that. They're not doing that. Those that are, you know, our security operations center, the folks that are responding to incidents, right? They're digging through logs and stuff like that. Those are the more technical. And I can get what people would think it's scary because those are the things that get sensationalized more. And the other aspect of security that you don't hear about doesn't get enough attention. So folks understand that there are other areas of cybersecurity that you could go into without having to be a super techie person. I liken it sometimes the people who are the techies and are doing this stuff, they're like the firemen, right? They show up when the emergency happens and everybody all work together, get this thing fixed, get it tightened up, make sure everything is good. Whereas the other guys maybe sometimes are walking around with a clipboard. So I think you hit it really well as far as that sometimes they talk about we need to get the sex appeal up on some of these job titles, right, so that people understand that these things are crucial as well. If any of those pieces are missing, then you're vulnerable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if people don't understand why they're doing what they're doing and they start going around some of these policies and procedures and you don't have somebody who's making sure that everybody is and everybody's up to speed and all that, it might not sound sexy to be the person who's in charge of awareness and that kind of thing. But if people are not doing what they need to be doing, it's bad. Right. I mean, we still have what is it over 70 percent of our problems happen from employees that just didn't do something correctly. Sometimes because they didn't on purpose and they've actually trying to help the bad guys. And sometimes just because they didn't know, well, it just didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. Which is why understanding, and it's part of our awareness program, be the strongest link. And we used to talk about the human factor, right? This is a borrow from another program, and they talk about securing the human, right? And that's huge, right? And securing the human is not technical. (laughs) Well, no, we don't exactly fit in a little box real easy, do we? You know, we're so different, and holy smokes, that's not something I want to be in charge of. And it's the most complex part of the job, because to your point, it is not computers that are breaching computers, (laughs) right? It's the human element that allows for any successful cyber attack to occur. It's the human element. So it's either an employee or a person. It could be even on your own individual self, right? So how many times do you get a Amazon email that your package is on its way and you're like, I didn't order anything from Amazon, but we've got this curious nature as a human being to say, well, let me see what it is. And we click. And it says, oh, give me your username and password. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's okay. And we type our username and password. And you're falling right into the bait of the adversary. And you know you didn't buy anything. You don't even use that account with your Amazon 
system. So those things that would make you say, hmm, as a human, we just don't do it because we're very curious people. Curiosity, as we know, did what? So that cat's not feeling so good right now. No, no, no. But that happens all the time. And it's kind of sad that we blame ourselves, too, because our seniors are getting hit really bad. There's a ton of COVID things out there now that people are getting hit with that are scams because of that. I mean, the bad guys just loving it when we're all stuck at home and bored. And I'll tell you, they magnified their work by I don't know how many hundreds folds during the pandemic and still now. And we had to truly ramp up our um, awareness program as a result of it and actually do some of those simulations. And it's not just and for your listeners. I want to make sure folks know it's not just email. Right. It's phone. It's text messages. Right. So you may get a phone call. This is Microsoft tech support. Your system is running slow. Really? When did you call Microsoft tech support? Right. Right. But they're very convincing. Right. I mean, you know, and that's what they do. And it's urgency. Right. You've got to do this now or your whole system is going to crash and you're going to lose all your files. And that's scary. Right. And so I think that aids into why folks are very scared of cybersecurity because of these types of things that happen. Well, like you said, we're curious. We want to find out whatever is going on. They write really, really compelling things to you, either by text or by phone. And I mean, do it in person too, right? They have a ton of people calling and talking to you. And then you put in a pandemic where everybody's stuck on top of each other and now everybody's working from home. They were nice and secure and you're building your nice VPN and now they're all working from home and they're doing gosh knows what on their systems. Right. So you're kind of stuck. And then I think that the good important part that you talked about was, and I have a real hard time with this with my cyber patriot kids, making sure they understand that all of your connected devices are just as important as if you were on a PC or a laptop. And that you're giving away information, a ton of information, especially for things like free apps. It always cracks me up. It's like, well, but it was free. Well, but what did you agree to in order to get that free app? Did you give all of your contacts? I mean, I don't know how many of the free apps that I've ever looked at. It's ridiculous. You know, like, oh, that kind of looks good. And they say, we want to get a hold of your entire contact list. Mm -hmm. Why on earth do they need to get your whole entire contact list? Because they're going to spam the pajibis out of all of them and say it came from you. That's why. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, congratulations, you got a free app. (laughs) It's like, did you look at the permissions? It said it can turn on your camera, your microphone. It can scan all your files, read all of your digital photos. Did you see all the stuff that you were agreeing to when you accepted that app? You know? But it was on their phone, and it was free, and it was easy, one click away, right? Boom, 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 you know, and so that they do it. And like you said, sometimes they think about it in work situations. They may think about things differently when they're on their PC and when they're doing work, and they may have a different lens coming and, and thinking about it differently. But then when they're at home, and they're doing it on their phone, and, 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 you know, I mean, I don't know how many people do their banking on their phone and do not have passwords on their phone. Yeah. Right. It's just like scary. scary. The other thing is that maybe because we have so many surfaces for attack, too, that's I'll say, I think also why people feel so vulnerable. And it's like, oh, the heck with it. I can't keep up with any of this stuff. Right. (laughs) And I can tell you, I'm old school and my husband laughs at me because I don't do mobile banking. And he's like, really, dear? I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, really? Right. It's like, you know, and I've never had that 
part of my life compromised or any impact on it. And I'm not saying that you can't use these tools. You do have to be smart when you use these tools and make sure you put the right security provisions in place. Use multi-factor authentication, which basically means have more than one way in which the bank authenticates you when you're using a device like your mobile device to log into your bank account, right? And some people don't have some of those basic things in place to protect those more sensitive types of transactions that they could do just as part of their personal life. So then you translate that to the business world. So what I really try to do is to really educate the whole you, right? So not just from that business lens, because I'm a CISO at a a Fortune 500 company, but also to make sure that when you're not at work, I want you to take these same precautions in your personal life and then tell a friend and tell a friend and tell a family member to tell a friend and allow that word of mouth to keep traveling so that folks can do and make better decisions when it comes to securing their self. And that's how you and I keep bumping into each other because we're in so many other committees and so many other places where we truly believe, I know that you feel strongly about this, that the education of everyone is really important. You know, if everyone's not protected, then we're not protected. And if the most vulnerable are going to be hit, then guess what? We're going to be hit. And so we really need to get that message out. It needs to start young. It needs to happen a lot. And we need to get to our older folks. You know, we need to get to everybody with that same message. And if everyone does, then that whole boat rises up together, right? So we've got a much better level on that. So you are not having to fight that battle all on your own over there to protect our infrastructure. And we want that infrastructure protected. We don't want the lights to go out or the heat to go off. You know, we're really enjoying all that stuff. So we really don't want that. Is there a thing that besides the fact that there's so many connected devices and that people forget about, is there anything else that you run into that just surprises you sometimes that people, you know, because we're in this field. So we know all the ins and outs and we hear about it all the time. But like you said, we're in so many other committees and some other places. And it sometimes surprises me some of the misconceptions that people have of cybersecurity. Are there any of them that you run against that maybe is going to help some of our listeners? Yeah, I think it goes back to the misconception that it's all very technical and there's no way that I could potentially or ever be in this field called cybersecurity. I don't have what it takes. And think about where your strengths are and think about some of the things that you are good at that what I would call are transferable into the cyber field. It's not as scary as you think. And I was one of those people, right? I was that person that before I got into cyber, I thought it was scary. And I had all of these misconceptions about it until I got into it. And I realized that this is the coolest thing ever. You know, I'll just be completely frank with you. I thought that I wanted to be a CIO, right? That was my career aspiration. I'm going to be a CIO. And I got into cyber and I was like, that job sucks. I want to be the head (laughs) of security, right? Right. My goal, because it's one of the coolest disciplines to be in, because you touch everything, right? There's pretty much nowadays, there's pretty much nothing that really operates that doesn't require some form of cybersecurity to be interwoven into it. So I would say that is one of the other misconceptions is that folks don't even understand how woven cybersecurity is into everything that you do from your car, right? From your, like we talked about banking already, we've talked about the phone, right? There's just so much that you do that you don't realize that 
that it is a lot of folks behind the scenes that are cybersecurity practitioners that are making it possible for you to have those Internet of Things types of devices that aren't always as secure as they need to be. But we're coming along, right? That's from an old perspective. And as technology continues to advance, you'll see those devices become more and more secure. But I would say the misconception is more around cyber is not as scary as you think. It is not a field that you have to be this extremely super technical person and that you may have very transferable skills that would allow you to do very well in the cyber profession and um, become part of the team of folks that are really behind the scenes. Because cyber people normally don't get attention until something bad happens. Then all of a sudden, you see all these people come out of the woodworks, and you're like, I have all this team of people behind me, right? Right. And, you know, then you get the attention. But It's uh, like we sort of liken it to health insurance. You don't think about it until you need it, right? And it's the same thing with that, right? And like you said, all those unsung heroes that are all – and I don't mean this in any negative way, but our cogs, right, that all together make up this team. And like you said, they all play these separate roles that all work in tandem. And you're the orchestra leader. You make that happen, making sure you have all those different roles plugged and have the right person in those things. And like you said, those people are completely different. And then they have to collaborate. So, I mean, some really cool things about this career field is it's always changing. I noticed in your LinkedIn page, all of the initials after your letter. So you've clearly got a lot of certifications. And I know that you've recently just finished an advanced degree and you're constantly moving that way. So clearly the field is always moving and you're moving towards it. So apparently you're not bored. Uh, (laughs) And that's the thing. I'm glad you said that because that's the thing about the cybersecurity domain. You can never get bored because no two days, I tell folks, no two days are ever the same. Right. Because you're constantly fighting the fight and there's something new every day. Just watch the news. Right. right? There's a new zero day. Right. (laughs) And zero day is basically a vulnerability that is out there that hasn't gotten a patch yet. We call it a zero day. Right. And the threat actors are attacking it as soon as they learn that that vulnerability is there. And then you've got computer system companies that are quickly trying to, you know, Close the gap. Fill the hole. <laughs> Fill the hole, right. Um, but that's the thing that I really love about cyber, right? It's like, when did I fall in love with cyber, right? It's the fact that I'm a person that's always wanting to do something different. I get bored easily, and I'm never bored in cybersecurity. Never, ever can I tell you that I've had a boring day. No. <laughs> and no. I think you talk to any person in cyber, and they will share that sentiment. There's no such thing as boredom. There's a such thing as busyness. Oh, but not boredom. (laughs) No, no, that's exactly the truth. So you didn't start out where you are either. And you were able to have this upward trajectory because you were getting those certs. You were getting advanced degrees. You were doing stuff actively to bring yourself into alignment for that. But there was no cap on what you could do. Right. I mean, in this field, we have such a shortage that if you start retooling and you start adding components to yourself and your skill set, you're going to keep moving through to where you want to. And the sky's the limit, to be honest with you on that, right? You're and then, absolutely right. And so it really depends on what you're putting into it, what you want to get out of it. I mean, you can stay doing the same thing. I mean, if I liken coders to like kind of accountants. It's kind of like learning a foreign language, like Spanish or French or something, because you're substituting this ones and zeros. This looks like an algebraic equation, which is just computer speak, for what we want the machine to do. 
So you're learning that language and you're also having to be very, very creative, but you're also kind of like an accountant because you really have to be very, very careful, right? Your stuff has to add up. It has to work the same way all the time. So you really have to be heads down and really enjoy that sort of grinding it out perfectly every single time. And that was a different person than someone who's doing other things that are more creative or other things that are whatever. But so there's really a place for all kinds of different personalities. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want that stability and you want something, you want to know every day I'm going to go in there and I'm going to grind out tons of lines of code or whatever. There's a job for you for that. If you want to go in there. Right. I mean, there just is. You got integrations, you've got development, you got all kinds of stuff. Well, we need those folks, right? If we don't have those folks, we're in big trouble. But here's what I would add to that is if you are that type of person and from a programming perspective, there's a job for you in cyber too, right? Because what is a vulnerability, right? At the end of the day, a vulnerability is a defect in code that can be exploited to cause harm or damage or to do something really scary and bad, right? So then you need people that can do what? Be able to, whether you peer review, looking for defects or holes, of course, there are automated systems, but then how do you take what the automated system produces and says, here's all where the errors are in this code that could whatever, right? But then you need someone with a developer's background that understand code, that can write Python, that can write C, the C++, you know, those different languages that are out there, and then say, well, here's how you write it more securely. Right. So we have more secure development occurring. We would have fewer vulnerabilities, which means we'd have fewer zero day attacks, which means we'd have fewer cyber attacks. So, you know, I could point to a cyber component to probably every job that's out there. (laughs) Absolutely. And again, it comes back to, I think, with both of us, one of our goals is to make sure everybody's aware. Right. So and, and all pieces and parts understand that in your job, there's a piece of cybersecurity in there that you need to incorporate. And that's why working with the kids is just so exciting because these are our kids that are going to be the future. And so you and I both working in the case of 12 space, like we are consciously because we know we, we want the future to be successful. And unless we can kind of incorporate that stuff into younger people and while they're making the innovation, it's hopeless, right? We keep plugging up the holes, but you know, if we can maybe not have them when they start out, it would be also wonderful. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice that you could share in your journey and in all of the wonderful experiences that you've had for folks that are trying to think about maybe this is a career field or retooling or anything that could maybe help give them a leg up? I would say there's a lot of free material online when it comes to just learning more about cybersecurity. There's various different organizations, very reputable organizations where you can take an online class or just do some article readings to really learn more about it. And to anyone that's interested in getting into cyber, one of the big characteristics that I would say a person should have is a learner. If you are a person that is a learner and you're very curious The learner and the curiosity combination will do you very well if you're considering the cybersecurity space because it is a space in which you have to constantly learn and want to try to understand what's going on and be curious to be able to ask questions and having some of that analytical wherewithal to, you know, just kind of break down a little bit of what you're reading. So I would say to anyone that is considering a change of career into the cyberspace is to really first 
think about what you have to bring to the table when it comes to cyber, right? What are some of those characteristics that are transferable? And are you a person who likes to read, right? Uh, whether it's digital or listening or whatever the case may be, but are you a person that's a continuous learner? And then if you are, there's so many different organizations that have programs for those that are considering transitioning into cyber, where you could get paired with a mentor, you could get advice, where you could talk to someone more intimately about your background, and they can help you think through how those things are transferable. And I will tell you, on the women front, we have such a shortage of women in cyber. So if there are women listening to your podcast that are wondering, should I do the transition or not? I would highly encourage you because I think we only represent less than like 10% or so of the cybersecurity jobs that are out there. But it's just really, you know, taking advantage of resources that are free. And this is the good free stuff that's available online that will at least give you a little bit of the insight into a fundamentals or cybersecurity 101. And you get to see the multiple disciplines within the cyber domain, or I should say domains within the cyber discipline. I don't know which way to say it. That is the best <laughs> I loved how you pointed out the fact that we have less women involved. And again, I think it's because like what you said earlier, you're surrounded by all of these engineers, right, in this field. Yeah. And they tend to sort of sum it all up that that's the only career path that you need to use in order to get into cyber, which is not at all true. Not at all. But you have to really kind of poke around and figure that out, right, and do a little self-examination. You know, I always joke about, I'm not sure what I want to be when I grow up. And, you know, I'm a tiny bit older than most. (laughs) But I'm always doing self-discovery and finding out different parts and pieces of things about myself. And I think that's a really important piece, right? And I think that if we don't start doing that, right, we can't keep throwing the same kind of person at this problem. The yeah. bad guys aren't just hitting the comp sci and engineering programs for their hackers and for their bad guys. You know, they're hitting all kinds of people who know sociology and psychology to figure out how to get us to click on that stuff. How do we word that little piece that we send to them in an email? You know, what does it say? How exciting is it? You know, all these other kinds yeah. of aspects that we don't really think of You know, as being part of the cogs, being part of the heroes that make this all happen and help to protect us. We have to have those same kind of people in our army, man, because we can't keep throwing the same thing at this and expect that we're going to do okay. You know, they're throwing everything they can at this because whatever sticks, they're making money. Yes. And I will tell you, and I love that you brought that up. Um, When you talk about the different discipline areas from school, right? psychology, um, those types of folks that have gone and gotten those types of degrees. You're absolutely right. When you talk about social engineering, that is rooted in psychology, right? right? That's really understanding the human, right? And who better to be part of that type of uh team, right? If I could get someone from psychology to be part of my security awareness team, oh my goodness, we would probably move mountains. (laughs) I mean, how else do we change culture, right? We don't change culture by telling them it's hard and there's a lot of math. (laughs) And you know, you have your lawyers, cyber law, your finance people, the same thing, right? When you think about business email compromise, how do people wire billions of dollars to these bad guys, right? It's like, really, right? And those are your accountant kinds of folks, right? right? Understand things that may attract or may cause someone to stop, pause, and do something like that, right? So to your point, there are varied disciplines that you have studied or are studying in school that are still very relevant to the cyber field. 
And then there's personality traits. I talked about learning and being curious, but I'll tell you part of the reason I was tapped on the shoulder to go work in the cybersecurity space. It wasn't so much because of my technical and spending the number of years that I did in IT. It was really my demeanor and my personality trait. I was always called grace under fire. And uh, being grace under fire basically means that you can guide a ship and lead it and do the things that need to be done without the whole house being on fire, right? So you really got to have grace and really understand how to stay focused and get things done amidst a whole lot of chaos. So that becomes a really important aspect of a personality, especially when you're talking about wanting to go into cyber leadership, right? So you got to know when to pull the fire drill, right? You can't pull the fire drill every time there's just a little bit of smoke, right? Because you've just got to know. And so having that grace under fire kind of personality renders itself to being very, very positive for a person going into cyber, especially leadership of a cyber organization. So, you know, you got to look at the whole person, right? And the whole person is where you start to lean in to really understand what are the strengths and the character traits that I bring to the table that, as I use this word all the time, and I've said it earlier, are transferable into a discipline area like cybersecurity. And you'll be surprised that you probably have a lot more skills than you thought you did that could get you at least into a very early entry level kind of role within cyber and learn and grow once you get into it. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things, too, is to not always think about the fact that you have to leave what you're doing right now to do that either, right? I mean, I one of the things I spoke to Marcy Connor over at Hanford College not too long ago, and we talked a little bit about how if you talk to your employer about your aspirations and you let them know, they may help you get certifications. They may help you get retooled. You know, they're always looking for folks that are trying to move laterally in their corporation and stay, right? You know, retention is a very important piece. And you just might fall right into it and end up finding out that they're going to pay for most of the things that you need to sort of retool and get yourself into it. You've already been a part of their culture and you already know how things work and they didn't have to lose you. They now just have you in a different spot. So there's always those options as well, too, that you can do. And it's also okay if it doesn't work out exactly the way you want. I mean, one of the things I love to know, I talk to kids all the time, is your path doesn't have to be straight. It can meander. Around. It will meander. Because <laughs> I can probably tell on one hand how many people I know that knew what they wanted to do when they were in high school and are actually doing that very thing right now, right? Most okay. of us have gone through several career changes and moves and, 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 right? And exactly. so I just knew I was going to be a CPA. I was going to be an accountant. Yeah. I right. went to Cass Technical High School and I studied accounting and that was going to be it. I went to college at Wayne State for undergrad and I got into my junior year and said, this is so boring. I do not want to be an accountant. <laughs> so yeah. you talk about your path changing, yeah. right? I mean, you've got to set a destination. you got to have Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You no, know, along the way, you're going to encounter experiences that's going to help you drive a clear picture as to directionally where you really want to go, right? Right. And as they say, it's not about the destination, but the journey, journey. right? Absolutely. So the journey could take you anywhere. And that's the fun part, right? In this space, it's definitely fun, right? There's all kinds of bumps and turns and and whatever. But again, all the people that you meet, all the things that you've learned, all of that kind of stuff all adds up to and is much more rich of a life 
than, you know, if you had just marched along perfectly and everything worked out exactly the way that it's supposed to be. And it's um, a very supportive field. Isn't it, though? It really, really is. I mean, it's funny. I've been in other law enforcement type stuff. I started out as a PI in criminal justice, and it was not at all supportive. And it was male-dominated as well as this field. But this is so different because, again, I think it's because we all know we got to work together on this thing. You guys are. We better. <laughs> yes. And we're all fighting the same fight. Absolutely. And so the concept of competitiveness goes out the window. And it's not about competitiveness. It's about we're all trying to fight against the bad guy, right? right. The, I mean, we're the police of the digital world, Absolutely. right? It's basically right. what we're doing and we're really trying to protect, right? And what makes it different from just like physical is you're protecting things you can't see when it's going to come at you. You're trying to protect a person, a thing, uh, whatever that you can't see. And again, <laughs> like the solar winds, you don't even know the enemies within. You don't even know right. it's there until until they've stole everything and then you realize oh no yeah absolutely and again it's because we're all in this together for sure and it's why it is so encouraging and it's why when you start to go down this path you'll find a ton of folks that want to help you get there and so don't hesitate to do it right i mean and that would be my main thing is just do it well to buy this has been wonderful i've enjoyed my afternoon here being able to discuss some of these things with you and that you have such a busy schedule and I'm so glad that you were able to carve out some time for us here and talk to me and people that are interested in this subject matter and break down some of the scariness that we have out there about all of this stuff. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. You know, I can talk forever when it comes to this topic and I know you and I are in that same camp and it's just great to be able to you know, share some knowledge with your listeners and to maybe give them a nugget of two of encouragement if this is something that they're considering that, you know, go for it. Don't be afraid. Conquer your fears. There's just a huge support system behind this that you won't fall, right? At least not fall without having to work real hard to fall. <laughs> right, right. There's, there's plenty of us behind here that are going to be helping. behind you that will help you keep from falling. And, um, yeah, this has just been great, and thank you for inviting me to your show. Well, this has been wonderful, Tobias. Thank you so much for taking this time. I appreciate everything you do out there with this podcast and all the other wonderful things that you do for us. And not to undersell the keeping our infrastructure moving, because that's a really important piece there. So we're glad we have folks like you in the fight. Yeah, well, I'm glad that I've got folks like yourself and the university, right? University of Detroit Mercy, you guys know I just got my uh, graduate degree, and I'm getting the Richard H.L. Marshall. I know. The Cybersecurity <laughs> Student of the Year is the Richard H.L. Marshall Award, and yeah. it's an annual award at the university, and Tobias is the winner of that, and that's amazing. That's yeah. right. I almost didn't remember that. That's really cool. Very exciting. Yeah. Very prestigious. This is not an easy thing. This isn't something that's just handed out like candy favors. This is something that you earned, and so be proud of that. Honored. I'm very honored to be the recipient of the award, and you know that means I got to continue to do big and great things in the cyberspace in the name of UD Mercy. There we go, <laughs> and we know you will, right? So it was an easy choice that way. We knew that you were going to continue that because of all of the things that we've already know that you're involved in. So it's very exciting to be involved in that with you. Okay. Well, you have a wonderful week, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, and you do the same. You've been listening to the Detroit Mercy Cybersecurity 313 podcast. If you would like more information on today's discussion, please contact Center Director Tamara Shoemaker by emailing S-H-O-E-M-A-T-L at udmercy.edu. 
And please plan to join us again for the next edition of the Detroit Mercy Cybersecurity 313 Podcast.